Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. This is Travis, and we got... Casey Wilson. And Tom Miller. And we got Tom. What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? Uh, very, very good. It's good to be with you guys. It's been about a, gosh, about a month since the three of us have been in the studio together, right? Yeah, it's been a minute well, since we've been in the uh, same room. It's been room. longer than that. Because I was gone for five weeks. Was it five weeks? Tom went and played in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the way you would describe it, is it? It wasn't quite a sandbox experience. Uh, Olga Olga would not say that. No, No, you guys have been through the ringer a little bit. Olga had a a trip and fall. She broke her wrist, right? Mm -hmm. Broke it. And uh, compound, both both the ulna and the radius. And uh, she's got a plate and 12 screws, and she's in agony. My goodness. Oh, and you guys also had uh, some things down. You were down in Florida with your family, with your grandson, right? Mm-hmm. Who is now 13, and he's uh, grown up to be a really good-looking kid. <laughs> it's really cool to see. That's good for a grandpa to say. Come on now, right? Yeah. So he's he's special. He has CP, and um, um, he's just uh, – he has changed the entire family. I mean, I, that's all I can tell you. He's – his mannerism, his uh, countenance, uh, the light in his eyes, uh, he is definitely God's gift to us in a way that I, it's, it's just hard to imagine. And I used to think, and you know, I used to pray for him uh, every, every day, you know, God, heal him, please do a miracle. Heal him of this CP and, and let him be like a normal boy. And then it just dawned on me, what's normal? He could be normal, and we're all messed up. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying because he doesn't, he doesn't sin, he doesn't, you know, do anything wrong. He doesn't misbehave. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't. I'm just, I'm just saying he is a remarkable. But he can't talk. He can hear real well, uh, but he can't see. Okay, yeah. and he can't. Um, I mean, he can roll around on the floor, but that's about it. Wow. And so he requires 24-7, and um, he is – he. when you look at him, and you just think, God, you're incredible. I mean, you're diverse. There's no two ways about it. There's a lot of things that, that you do that just really surprise us, and, and this was a surprise, but he is by no way an anchor or anything. We look at him as a, a joy – and he passes that joy on to us, and we see God far more clearly probably than we ever have. And do you and Olga ever sit around with maybe your other family and talk about, man, in, in heaven, the days that you'll see him in his fullness when he's uh, when his body, yeah, you but know, when his more, body's fully redeemed and you get to see that, that part of him as well? I know his dad does that for sure. sure. I, I know he, he does that and his mom. But um, I think with Olga and I, it's more of like a private thought. Sure. You know, we kind of keep that under wraps because I, I know that one day he will be that way. He'll be perfect. Not that he's not perfect now, but he'll be even more perfect, yeah. you know, and it, and it's it's just incredible. Well, we're going to get into a subject today about uh, – we're getting into forgiveness, right? So simple, right? <laughs> so simple. Easy subject. Man, this strings a note with – there's not a person on earth that doesn't need to – 
learn, talk, think about forgiveness more often, right? I mean, why is it so necessary and why do we never actually sit around and just talk about the necessity of it, the need for it? I mean, as men, when was the last time you had a conversation about forgiveness and how to apply it to your life, your friendships, your marriage? Besides besides my son, no, never, <laughs> you know? It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's. I mean, truly, it's... Now, now hear this, hear this. It's not complicated. Like it's simple, but it's extremely hard to do. Yeah. But it's but it's relatively simple. Right. It's not complex. And that's what we want to get into today. <laughs> How do we do that? I think it's simple and complex. I absolutely I would agree with that. Yeah. But it's not like a, a calculus formula. Well, but let's talk about it because forgiveness I mean, forgiveness is about relationships. It's not about making money. It's not about uh, well, I mean, forgiveness has a lot to do with making money and keeping a business running and managing a staff and all of those things. It's just necessary to relationships. It's ingrained in every friendship and every relationship and every marriage between a father and a son, a son and his mother. Like forgiveness is just necessary in order to have a healthy and good and fruitful relationship in life. Yeah, I think I think forgiveness is something that we do unknowingly every day. On some scale or another, you know. Yeah, some scale. Well said. Because there's a lot of things that we don't want to touch when it comes to forgiveness. Yeah. We want to ignore it, move on, or just write somebody off. But on a small scale, you definitely do it daily. Yeah. Yeah, there's degrees to it, right? There's the small, like in the moment, I think of with my children, there's a thousand times that you have to forgive your children and you give them that grace because they're little and they're developing and they're three, four, five, and you just expect them to make trip and fall and make mistakes all day long. So then the forgiveness is is readily available because you love them. Your wife, you love her, and so you're ready to forgive. Your children, you love them. But what if, what if you don't love them? <laughs> well, then you need a different kind of forgiveness. You need something else, right? right. So forgiveness isn't, isn't the top of your chart. That's not what you're thinking about. No, you're thinking because— thinking about you're writing them off, basically. Yeah, because we live in a world of revenge, right? Like how many great movies—like, I'm. come on, I love Rambo. That whole movie is built on revenge, right? Yeah, that was about 75 years ago. <laughs> but there's— Countless movies today that we all watch and that we all look at, right? And they're right. revenge stories or revenge novels, and we think like, ah, oh, that was a great flick. Right. And in reality, it's not. Right. And when you think about it too, it goes back to like our marriage podcast episode, that series there where it talked about a contract. Like you uphold your bar- your end of the bargain and I do mine, and if you don't, we're mad at each other. So you have this like unwritten thing in society where someone looks at you wrong or cuts you off in traffic or closes the door in your face. Like you are wronged by it. You were offended or disrespected by it. And you feel the need to be upset and frustrated, you know, and then you don't act in forgiveness over those little things, whether they're family, whether they're a total stranger, you get frustrated with that. Yeah. You want justice. And uh, if, if you've been a Christian for a while, that's one thing you don't want. You don't want justice because if God gave us justice, we'd all be annihilated. Well, let's let's talk real quick because to open this up and go deeper in this, I want to talk about the differences between um, forgiveness in the world's eyes. And when I say the world, I'm thinking of unbelieving psychologists, therapists, uh, the medical field, culture, you know, what most people turn to when they think of, of forgiveness. And then we want to introduce the biblical perspective and a whole nother worldview. 
Um, because that's what we're trying to boast in the Kavod Family Podcast. We're trying to boast that God has a, a different view when it comes to life and forgiveness and what is good, what is evil, what is right. And he teaches us. And so we want to try to um, exalt his His truth and help, hopefully help others, help the listeners grab onto it and be able to apply some of this to their life. Does that work? Sounds so, great. So when let me just throw this out. If you, if you could, if you had to eliminate Jesus and everything that you know about him, what's left in regards to forgiveness for you two? Like, why would you forgive someone? What would be your motive? Uh, Not much of one. Well, I, I mean, try, though. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, like... I would just want to pay him back for justice. what they did to me. Justice. justice. Yeah, I mean, you know, you hurt me? Okay, well, I'm going to hurt you more. Eye for an eye, kind of right. law right there. But truly, if you were to take Jesus out of the scenario of it, you would have to be a really, I'm using air quotes here, mature person to look past someone wronging you to see something for the for the bigger picture of it, you know? I tried. I scoured a few articles and read some things. Um, in, in summary of almost everything I read, I found one from Psychology Today, and the author wrote, and she gave three reasons why you should forgive. You know, this is not a Christian author. And she said, number one, forgiveness is hard to understand and hard to do, but the mental and physical health benefits are clear. So forgive, why? Because you personally benefit mentally, physically, emotionally. That's also scriptural too, right? There is a lot of scripture there, but that's all that someone is left with, right? Her second reason, forgiveness is done uh, for your own benefit. It's for you. This is about you. It's not the other person. It's not about anyone else. This is about your freedom. So for every narcissistic person (laughs) in the world, that would fall right into that category. Well, in all three of these reasons... It really is about self. That's the point of this. Forgiveness is about how I improve or how I mature. And that is the secular frame of how I look. How you look. Right. But that is the... I'll be the bigger person. I'll forgive you. That is the evolutionary, secular, progressive lens on life, right? Is that we live in a world that is progressing and those that progress the most will enhance and get stronger. And, you know, and so forgiveness is, is a means to health. It's a means to growth. To betterment. To betterment. Right. And and that is that's really in conflict to the biblical worldview because we don't believe that forgiveness is just a part of a skill that you learn in order to be able to navigate the storms better. We actually believe that forgiveness is central. It's at the very center of all of life. And it's key for all of us not only to walk through forgiveness and offer it to others, but receive it ourselves. Right? This is this is about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship to one another. It's about how we even forgive ourselves for what we've done in the past and move forward in life. And so it's a much bigger, much bigger picture, right? So we would say that not forgiving is unhealthy. I mean, that's what we'd say. So how would we, uh, analogy would be, a good analogy would be like drinking poison and hoping that the other person would die. Bitterness. Because that's how you feel. Yeah. And you don't have God to work this out with. And for him to help you to navigate forgiveness, because you have to forgive yourself too in some respect. But if it's something that they have done to you, you feel justified, okay, and you want them to die. You want that revenge. You yes, want the you justice. Want, you want that to happen. Yeah, that's central. That's key. Yeah. So forgiveness, the, the reason why you, you posed a question earlier today, why is it so hard? I mean, you were asking us at the table, why is forgiveness so hard? And for me, one of the reasons why forgiveness is so hard is because it, 
in without Christ, there's no justice to forgiveness. There's no uh, recompense. There's no payment. There's no restoring the brokenness that takes place. You know, think of like a courtroom where, you know, someone has been murdered, the family that's there. No matter what you do, no matter what uh, fines, no matter how much time the murderer does in, in, in jail, it will never restore the relationship that was lost. It will never rescue that son that was murdered or that daughter that was lost. So I guess before we go into why is it hard, why should we forgive? What is the point in forgiveness? What is the value in forgiveness? Sure. I mean, so what do you guys think? So like, oh, why well, should we forgive one, somebody? It, it's for your health. You should forgive because uh, it will be healthy more to you than it would be the destructiveness that would happen to you if you couldn't let it go, if you could not forgive. And we're tangibly speaking, even on a scientific level from the psychologist, right. not only mentally, not only spiritually, but truly physically. Well, I, I think hospitals are filled with people yes. that, that just have not forgiven. And it has so mounted up over the years that it has ruined their health and, and they're in there. Yeah. I mean, there's so, lots of people. So health, why are, what are some other reasons why we would forgive? Uh, re- restoration. I mean, you can't restore a relationship of any kind, whether that's a friendship, a work environment, a marriage, uh, you know, a father-son. You can't restore and move forward unless there's forgiveness. And so that's in the world. In the world's eyes, that's a loving relationship that you have with someone and that you want to restore that you, relationship. Yeah, you want to restore So you, you want that fixed. You don't want to continue on that way because those relationships hurt the most. And I would think the, the simplest one that we all know but we, we aren't saying is because Jesus forgave us yeah. for what we did and haven't done. And all the sin, like the penalty and the justice for Travis is death, is hell. So Jesus died for us to forgive us for that freely with, with no strings attached. He died, and I have a choice thousands of years later to choose what he gave me on the cross thousands of years ago. So he died, but still left me the choice to receive his forgiveness that he's given us. So ultimately, we forgive, and we should forgive, and we should strive to forgive, and we'll go into how in the next few minutes— and some some principles and scriptures and what to do, but like we should strive to forgive because that's what he did for us, and that's why we are alive and we will have life with him. Like that's the aim. Yeah, I'll give you a verse just to support what you're saying. First Peter three eighteen it says, "For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous." And here's the key that he might bring us to God. And so forgiveness, what you're talking about there, the reason we forgive is because we are actually, as we forgive, drawing closer to God, right? As we've been forgiven, he pulls us so into God's that presence. So there's restoration, that restoring word you're doing there. So he's given us a model because he did this for us. He gave us a model on how to do it for others. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's not only spiritual benefits, but there's also physical and mental benefits. There's negative ramifications of not choosing to forgive. But this leads into the next question is, why is it so hard to do? <laughs> well, like if we know that it's good for us mentally, spiritually, physically, we know that's what Jesus did for us, and we know all these things, why is it hard to do? Well, uh, one reason I want to go back just a bit is that uh, this saying just really floors me. He says, nobody who has wronged you has ever come close to wronging you as badly as you've wronged God. And that's really why it's so hard. It, it's so hard because we know that we have wronged God 
in so many ways, and now we're required to forgive somebody that has done really, comparatively speaking, almost nothing to us. Yeah. And yet we're all incensed about it. We're all upset about it. And, and God is like, really? Do you know how many times I've forgiven you? Much worse. I can honestly say why it's so hard for me to forgive her in whatever situation, if it's big or small, is because of my ego. It's because of self. Like I'm frustrated <laughs> and I'm angry and I want to be justified in it. And I want, it's the principle behind what just transpired that I want to show what was wrong and at fault and show how I was right or how it should have been handled. So there's this whole Travis and self and me and justice and right and wrong. But as a Christian, God holds that filter. God holds those standards. God holds those holds those morals, and He is the one that chooses to forgive and to forget and to heal and mercy. And we should aspire to that. But why it's hard, in my opinion, is like you said earlier, Tom. Forgiveness is a choice. I have to choose, not myself. I have to choose God and what He would want in that moment. It's only a choice. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would go a step further. I would say that God does want justice. It's the reason why Jesus had to die. It's because he he desires justice. I mean, God doesn't look down at sin and he's just like, oh, well, they'll learn, you know, they'll they'll get better over time. Give them time. It's not like that, you know. Uh, Proverbs talks about how an unjust scale is an abomination to the Lord. And so it's God himself that has put in us this nature for justice. But the thing is, we are not the keepers of life and death. We're not the keepers of what truly is right and wrong. You know, you, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, right? And so there's that part of us. And so Jesus comes and he's like, follow me, and I'm going to show you the way of mercy. Follow me, and I'm going to show you the way of love. Follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to walk this out, how to bless even your enemy, how to love even the person that you hate, right? And he took, I mean, just take Paul for an example. Paul the apostle who was Saul. Here's a man who is literally... Uh, spending his days, he's going about persecuting the church. And within a moment, his heart gets changed radically, Acts chapter 9. So that way he now loves Jesus, follows Jesus, and devotes his life to teaching and helping the Gentile world, that world that he was persecuting, come to know who Jesus was. Like, it, 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 I'll give you another example. My, my kids, we have a neighbor and he just flies up the road past our street. And I think I've told this story before. But when he first did it, it's a young teenager. I, I yelled real loud. I jumped in my truck. I drove up to the top of the hill and I got, had a conversation with him. And I came back to the house. Well, a couple of days go by and I see my son and he's out there and he yells, hey, and he yells at the driver that's going up the hill. And in that moment, the Lord convicted me. And I thought, oh, man, I've, 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 this is the way I've taught my sons, right? And he, this idea came in my head, like, go up, invite the kid down, have dinner with him or have a lunch with him, teach him to love your children. When he loves your children, then he won't speed up the hill. And it changed everything in the way I was thinking. You know what I mean? It introduced love and grace and mercy and, and Christ into the picture. It redeemed that, that, that injustice. Or, or the thing that I, the violation, the, the, the hurt, the sin, the fact that I didn't want you driving up my hill like that, and it, it introduced forgiveness to the story. And I think our, our greatest aim in this is going to be our greatest aim in every episode, shocker, is, is to point the problem or the situation or whatever's transpiring in your life, it should usher you into God's presence. 
So forgiveness is impossible to do on your in your own strength. Yeah, like you, it, it's you, not a natural response. No, but even even if you discipline yourself and you followed twelve steps and read a book, like the heart posture and change comes from God. So the idea of this is forgiveness should push you into God's presence. So you don't just like Casey wronged me. All right, I forgive you, and I just will it. I just will it right. to happen. No, I I consciously make a choice. And go to the scripture and go praying. Say, God, like renew my heart. I want to forgive him. I want to see him as, as my brother. Right. And wh- what did Jesus do when he's on the cross after he was beaten and mocked and and crucified? He said, "Forgive them, forgive them, for they know not what they do." So he chose forgiveness when he could have called down legions of angels and just whatever he wanted to do. He could have done anything in that moment. Think about that. I mean, here you are. You know, in, in pain and agony, in suffering, in front of the very people that have turned their back on you, including those that you love, your friends and even family that have denied you, that have fled, that aren't even there and present, and then the people that have actually tortured you and hung you on this cross, and some of your final words, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. And and nowadays, what would you want? You would want justice. You would want to prove that you were the Messiah. I'd want to bring down all the angels and be like, <laughs> what? Like, so it's the idea that he chose mercy. He chose God. He chose love and not to be right, not self, not all these other angles. Yeah. But I want to add another layer of complexity to this is why is this hard? Because it might be a continuous thing being done to you. It might not just have been a one-time offense. Like someone, like whether it's a spouse or kids or a friend, and it is a continuous, uh, I mean, not assault, but like a a negative thing that has happened to, to you continuously and you are living in it. That has a whole nother layer of complexity. Yeah. So let's go down that road because forgiveness and restoration are two separate things. Um, forgiveness is an act first that I have to take part in before the Lord. And you've talked about that, right? Like you can, forgiveness starts between you and God. It doesn't start between you and the person that's violated you. And then you have to walk that out and you go and you, you offer forgiveness and you hope that you can find a way to restore that relationship, especially especially if it's family or a close friend or somebody that you have to go through life with. Because there's often times where the offending party is not someone that you can get rid of. You understand. I mean, you've talked before about the hurts and pains between you and your father and the years that were lost there because you couldn't forgive him. Right. You know? <clears throat> and uh, and, he, and he wasn't a Christ follower, so he was easy not to forgive. <laughs> you know? So, because I, at the time when I was a new Christian, I thought only Christ followers were worthy of forgiveness. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it's very hard to do when it's over and over and over and over in your face, over and over. And so you have to make a choice. You have to decide what's more important to, to be bitter about this and to be resentful towards that person and to carry that because what's going to happen is you're going to carry it and basically live in the past dealing with that over and over and over again. And and if you don't if you don't deal with it in a forgiving way in yourself first. And I, and and I just have to tell you, I'm not trying to be humble or anything, but I struggle with doing that. I mean, I have to go to God and I have to ask him to help me to uh, forgive someone that continuously does that over and over and over. So what's cool is there, though, is you're literally walking out the model with that. So forgiveness is a choice. 
but God brings it to pass. So in that moment, you're not, Tom's not trying to will this forgiveness. You know that you should. You know what God says about it. So you go to him and ask for your heart to be restored. You ask for the healing. You ask for that to take place. And that that is, guys, for a tangible takeaway, that's the beginning. Like at the beginning of this, I'd ask, I asked Tom and Casey, I said, if you were, if you had a few hours to live, what would you tell your kids on forgiveness? Like what would be the cliff notes, bullet points, what you would tell your kids? And you guys said without hesitation, go to God, go to the person, forgive, and do it quickly. And that sounds super simple, but like the act and that choice and that heart posture and going to God, like he's going to bless that. He's going to show you the steps in that. And what you're doing in that moment is you're choosing that whatever happened to you is not as important as what Jesus did for you. So I'm going to say that again. Whatever happened to you or is continuously happening to you, you are choosing that what God did on the cross is bigger and more important than what is happening to you. Yeah. And that frees you. And you're choosing God. I love what you're saying there because you're choosing God's will for that person and not your will for that person. Because my will in an offending party is (laughs) I want justice, right? I want revenge and I want you to suffer. I want you to pay the rest of your life for this burden that, that you've caused me. Where God would want to forgive them. And God would want to redeem them and restore them and lift them, right? He may be in the act of doing that. And through this circumstance that you're talking about, he's doing that, but he's using you to help him accomplish that. And think about what God did for us before we found him and asked for forgiveness. He didn't win us over by berating us and going over our list of everything we did wrong and how awful we were. He loved us and he pursued us and our heart was softened to him. And then we understand what he did for us already that he died for us and forgiven us and has restored relationship with us. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, I love you. Like, I want to be, I, I understand now. So like, he gave us the model of how to do that with everybody else. Yeah, You didn't list all their accusations and tell them how bad they're sucked and everything they failed at. You, you love them and you tell them how God created them. So you're saying you, you've got to choose to, when you, when you confront somebody, you, you've got to get yourself to the posture where you're trying to actually benefit them rather than hold them under condemnation. So whether you're coming to them to explain what you've done, to confront them, to show them what they've done, to forgive them, all of that, it's the aim that you're actually trying to lift this person rather than put them down. Yeah. I mean, what's the story? Is it is it Hosea? I mean, you guys are going to be able to tell it better than me, where he married the prostitute and went back and Gomer. forth. Can, can you give like a 30-second overview, Tom? I mean, this is the epitome yeah. of forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, he was God was using Hosea as a, an example or a type of what Israel was doing to him because he was a husband to Israel, and Israel was always chasing after other lovers, um, other gods. And so, um, so he calls his prophet to marry a prostitute. And what does he have to do? You know, he, he brings her home. He showers her with uh, good gifts and, and a nice house and everything. And, and after a few days, she up and leaves. And she, he finds that she's in town and she's with another lover. And then so he doesn't want to go get her. But God says, no, you've you got to go get her. You've got to go get her. You've got to release her from that. And then you have to bring her home and you have to forgive her. And, and you have to start all over again. And he had to do this several times because why? And I can't even imagine that, but but why? Because that's what is real. That's what we do to God. And that's what he had been doing since 
the covenant of Noah, right? Ever since he made that covenant to never flood the earth again, Mm -hmm. he would work to restore man's hearts and redeem them. He had over and over and over rescued them as people over and over, his people even, turned their back on God and walked after false false idols. And correct me if I'm wrong, at the end of that, did he not have to buy her back as well? Yes, he did. He He had to completely redeem her. So guys, like imagine that, like your wife, you got from different homes being with other lovers, and at the end you had to pay to get her back. Like talk about wanting justice and frustrated, but what did he do? Assumingly that you were paying every cent that you had. Yeah, and and in that moment, God was teaching this prophet the idea of like you, you pursue her and love her with everything you have, and it doesn't matter how it doesn't make sense or how it makes you feel. Like you choose me and you pursue her, and you forgive her. Now think of the washing, like the scripture talks about washing of the water with the word, like how you were loving her and cleaning her and teaching her who she's really supposed to be in that moment. Yeah, Like forgiveness does so much for you alone, but it could radically save somebody's life literally from hell, from you just loving them like God has called you to and getting over yourself. There's a, there's a picture when Jesus is actually on trial before he gets crucified, There was a tradition of the Jews at the time to where they would actually release or forgive a prisoner, somebody that had offended, that was convicted of murder and crimes and all these things. And and the gentleman that they released, his name was Barabbas. And so the story goes that as Jesus is up there on trial, this man is released, right? And he's forgiven and he's completely free. He doesn't go off and he's not, uh, you, you know, he doesn't have time that he has to do. He's completely free, let go. And his name was Barabbas. And so here's the picture that you have. This man's name, who is Bar Abba, son of the father, is let go free. And at the same time, the true son of the father is on trial, who's going to the cross to be crucified. That's the exchange. That's what forgiveness did when Christ came. It took a murder. It took a, a, a villain. It took me, who was an enemy of God, somebody who had spent his youth denying God and running from God and, and, and not forgiving others and seeking my own selfish gain and doing all kinds of things, and it set me free from those crimes as a son of God. That's, that's what it, it literally did. That's, that's the exchange that took place. So it takes—I mean, that's the point is if we walk in unforgiveness, we hold people in captivity. But when you release them and you let go and you put them in God's hands, you, you let them become sons and daughters of God. You know, you let them fulfill the destiny that God has for them. That's, that's, what, that's the power of this forgiveness. So some tangible takeaways, guys. Go to God. God is the one that brings, brings forgiveness to pass. You choose it and you go to him and he starts to walk you through that. And get with other people that you trust, brothers and sisters, who can hold you accountable. And we're not negating the fact that it's hard and it's painful. And sometimes you feel like you're being drugged through the mud. But you have a Father in heaven that understands that more than anybody else. And he has answers for you. He has guidance for you. He has encouragement for you. Jesus said, uh, forgive, right? He said, he never said, if they apologize. (laughs) That's true. Uh, That bothers me. And if you don't feel like it, what are you going to do? You, you have no choice. As a Christian, you have no choice. You, you must forgive or, yeah. you're, or else you're, you're stopping God from forgiving you. Yeah, you're in active disobedience. Right. You know, he, he commanded us. How many times do I have to forgive? Peter cried out. Right. 70 times 7. That means endless. 490 times, <laughs> if my math is correct. And, so, well, the idea there is that you'll lose count. If you, 
if you've enjoyed this and you want to hear more, if you want to hear about um, what do you do in a situation in a marriage where a husband is maybe in active sin and rebellion or has committed adultery, um, has become unfaithful to his wife, uh, how do you how do you forgive? How do you walk that out? Yeah, or or your kids are defiant and you're trying to figure out how to redeem that relationship with God. Like there's there's a million different scenarios, and we'll kind of hit some of the the ones that I feel like most everyday people would have, you know, in the family, work related stuff. But if you guys have a specific topic or something that you would like us to really zero in on, feel free to you know drop it in the comments or email us. We'd love to hit it. But we're gonna provide a a general overview of what God says how to do it. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Kavod Family Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please uh, share it with a friend. Let them know. Pass it along because there's many, many, many people out there that need to hear about the forgiveness of Jesus. So enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Kavod Family Podcast. Please like, share, and leave us a review. If you've enjoyed this content or if you're familiar with some of our programs and partners in the Kavod Family Network, please consider becoming a donor at Kavod Family slash donation. God is in the process of restoring all things to himself. That begins with a person. That person is part of a family, and that family belongs to a community. Kavod Family is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry.